Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is DIY service. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this topic actually comes from me. When I was mm-hmm. back in the Midwest for my father-in-law's funeral, we happened to be there over a Sunday, and they're not doing any sort of in-person church either, but the family mm-hmm. was together. That was our bubble, and we yep. were doing basically a service in the living room. Now, full disclosure, there were technically two pastors present, but Absolutely. I'm talking about, is it possible? Is it allowed? Is it something that may be helpful for people to do some sort of a DIY service if they can't attend something or aren't comfortable attending something? Absolutely. Yeah. And for folks who are curious about it, this actually goes back to Martin Luther. And he felt strongly about households. Really? Having worship and services together. So, I mean, it goes back much farther than that. Obviously, it goes back to the early Christian households. But if we want to talk about Lutheran tradition, you can even take it to 500 years ago and Martin Luther talking about how we can and should be holding that sacred space within our own families. Oh, that's fascinating. So, yes. Because it kind of felt... 100%. And I'm sure this is my Catholic upbringing, but it felt wrong. (laughs) It felt like I was being naughty somehow. Your Catholic is totally showing. Totally. (laughs) So. I love it. Say you're somewhere. I don't know. Camping or whatever. Where do you start? How do you do this? Do you have to have that book from church? I mean, we happen to because like I said, there are lots of pastors in this family, but not everybody does. Right. Yes, it's super helpful to have a home hymnal. They're incredibly helpful, whether you have an old copy of the Lutheran Book of Worship that's the green one, or whether you have the cranberry colored one that's the Evangelical Lutheran Worship Book. If you have that, where would you go in there? In the front of the book. Yeah. Would you do like start with the full services if you were at church? I know there are other special services, and we've talked about some of them in the past on podcasts, too. Yeah. So there's all kinds of different things. I mean, it really depends on what you're going for. So in the front of those books, Mm -hmm. and if anyone out there listening wants a Lutheran book of worship in LBW, which is the old green hymnal, Mm -hmm. if you would like your own copy of it, let me know. Email me at pastor at centralportland.org because I got a whole box of them underneath my desk in the office. Nice. And I can wrap one of those up and put it media mail and get it out to you. That being said, in the beginning of the hymnals, we talk about it being the numbered pages that Mm -hmm. are the small numbers versus the hymn numbers that are the big numbers over the top of the hymns. In the front of the book in the numbered pages are all kinds of different services. There's services that are for communion There's an outline for the service of the word that doesn't have communion in it. And then there are the special services. That's that and Compline that we've talked about. And so those are all in there. If you have a musician, there's lots of music in there that you can use. But if you don't have a musician or you don't play an instrument. Or you're not comfortable singing. Right. Or you're not comfortable singing those notes or the kind of melodyless lines sometimes that chant can feel like. 
then you can look in there to get an idea of the kind of rhythm of a service. And I know that a couple of years ago, I'm sure we did the liturgy mm-hmm. and the puzzle pieces of the liturgy. And if you think about a worship service being gathering, word, meal, sending, that's all you need to remember. So bring everybody together, hear a little bit of the word of grace from God, share the meal if you wish. Really? Heads of households, Martin Luther had an entire order of worship for the heads of household to be able to lead that. No way. That was the part, especially my Catholic upbringing would say, "Uh uh-uh, cannot. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow. Yep. And then send everybody out with a kind of blessing. So that's what is needed for there to be a service. Now, you can make that as fancy-schmancy as you would like to make it. And you can make that as simple as you would like to. It all has to do with your context and your setting and who you're with and how you do it. But the intention is that you are creating a sacred space within your family, within your community, in your family, if that's who you're with, your friends that are your family, Mm -hmm. right? And that you gather with intention to invite God to be present with you. Nice. So can you do any one of them any time of day? Or is Matins just a morning thing and Compline just an evening thing? Are you putting a foot wrong if you're doing one at the wrong time of day? So it comes back to Adiaphora, right? So that comes back to Adiaphora, the stuff that doesn't matter, right? That doesn't determine our salvation. And Matins was made and created to be done in the morning, So the lyrics and the words and the prayers are written to get you ready for a day. Okay. As you begin your day. Vespers is meant for kind of an early evening. So as you wind down and as you settle into the evening time, Compline is, I'm heading to sleep now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Watch over me as I sleep, right? So each of them have their peace, but if you're a swing shift worker, <laughs> exactly, right? then do matins when you wake up at 11 p.m. Because that's what the theme of it is that you're getting ready for your day. Now, it's going to get messed up because matins might talk about the growing light of the day as the sun arises and those kinds of things, right? But whatever you need to do, you know, just be aware. Sure. The reason those things are the way they are is because of their different purposes. You can change words. You can, again, take the intention. Sure. And use the intention. And I love your face when I said you can. (laughs) Change the words. (laughs) And you're like, no, you can't. Mm. Say you're a split shift worker, right? You're a swing shift worker and you've woken up and you're getting ready for your work day. Then the words of Matins, the intent of Matins to gather God with you to go into your work, maybe is what your soul needs that moment. But the language of the sun coming up for you, that's not going to fit. So you can shift that language to be appropriate to your context. The heartbeat of the service is to talk about God being present with you through the work of your day. Mm -hmm. So hold on to the heartbeat of the service. 
Well, and I'm going to be honest, I'm a creature of habit. And if I find something <laughs> that I like, I'm going to stick with that. Oh, totally. And if it's the language of one, even if the time of day is wrong, <laughs> I'm still going to do it anyway, because it's my favorite. <laughs> I think it's totally fair. I mean, we are people in a liturgical tradition for a reason, because we like pattern yep. and consistency. So, Okay, so let's say you don't have the book. What would you do? Where would you go? Are you just working from memory? Does it matter? I mean, you said gather, word, meal, and sending, but even if you mm -hmm. don't have that on the top of your head. I think that it really, if you're looking just to begin your day in a grounding with God, or if you're looking to ground yourself in your spirituality in the middle of the day, or whenever you're trying to do it, I think having a thought process to include prayer Include some kind of way to ground yourself in a wider community, not just with yourself, but with a wider community. So whether the prayer connects you to that wider community through the use of, for example, the Lord's Prayer that has been used for millennia and connects us with the saints all over the world, right? So using something to connect us to something bigger than ourselves and our own family unit, I think mm -hmm. is an important element of worship. Having some kind of part of the story, of the biblical story, told, read, remembered, pondered, prayed about, I think matters. If this is going to be a worship service, then let's remember what our story is okay. as we go through this. And some kind of blessing, some kind of a moment of God be with me, or God be with us, or God be with you, some kind of that sending portion, that God be with us. So something to connect us to history, something to connect us to our story, and something to move us out into the world. I think that those elements, you can take a lot of liberty with how you incorporate those elements, but that those elements kind of simmer down to a basic understanding of how we connect with God and our faith. Does that make sense? It does make sense. My next question is, what about for the people who happen to be quarantining or by themselves for whatever other reason? How do you go about doing this where it's not just prayer? Or is it a problem if it's just prayer? There is no problem if it is just prayer. Hermits and those who have lived solo for centuries have worshipped Jesus and God in beautiful ways on their own. And I might be a bit biased because I think part of me could happily be a hermit. <laughs> um, but taking the time to sit and be still, to pray your own prayers, to connect to the tradition of people who've gone before, even if they're not present, to remember the story that connects us, to remember that God is blessing us to exist in this world. All of that still holds true, whether you're doing it with 5,000 people or with one. And I think it's very possible to have a solo service, a solo moment where you are very present with the divine. And you still get to do the meal? The meal is one of those that there's all kinds of different ways people feel about the meal. Mm -hmm. Right? Our denomination, our presiding bishop does not want us presiding at the meal online. So I'm breaking the rules when I preside at the Eucharist 
on our Sunday Zoom worship services. It is theologically sound for families to serve the meal with one another. I think it could be theologically sound. A family can be one person. Mm -hmm. I think that can be theologically sound. I also am very aware of the fact that I am on the outskirts of my permissiveness with the Eucharist. Sure. And that is simply a reality. As in, I think people should have it. And I don't think that an ordination or the lack of an ordination, a lack of an access to someone who's paid hundreds of thousands of dollars and had four plus years of education beyond, you know, a bachelor's degree, like that level of access and privilege to not have that should not bar you from receiving God's grace in the Eucharist. And so that's where I fall on this. This is about not elitism, but understanding that not always can a community afford to have someone with that level of either debt now Mm -hmm. or educational capacity to be able to meet our requirements, which I think are good requirements Mm -hmm. to be ordained and therefore to be able to preside at the Eucharist. And I think that there are plenty of people whose hearts are pure and who are very, very reverent with the sacrament, but who would not have the capacity to attend the incredibly expensive institutions, but who have every capacity to hold the space to serve the meal with reverence. And so that's why if people wonder why it is that I am as permissive with Eucharist as I am, it's because those are some of the things that I contemplate when I'm thinking about theologically Mm -hmm. is one thing, but in our current modern culture, here are the ways our modern culture and our contemporary setup have barred us from being able to receive the Eucharist and have created an elitism around who can and cannot serve the meal. And I don't think that God has any part of that elitism. I think that God wants God's meal served to God's people. So that's where I fall on that. That's where you're standing. That's where I stand. I can do no other. (laughs) Although there is always (laughs) baptism, right? You can always go the water route if you choose as a way of remembering your place in everything. Absolutely. And that's one thing that we've done at Central on weeks where I am not available to preside over the Eucharist is that we've done a remembrance of baptism. And before we got to a point where I was comfortable Mm -hmm. presiding at the Eucharist online, we were doing a remembrance of baptism. Yeah. Okay. That's going to lead me to my last question. So what would you recommend that people have? Not that you need to have anything, but for some people to make it feel more Mm -hmm. like an occasion, an event, a thing, I mean, we've mentioned water, but what other things would you recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. Again, it's going to be different for different individuals, what they have access to and what is going to serve them well. Things that speak sacred to you. So for some folks, that's going to be a white linen cloth and a candle and a beautiful crystal chalice for the wine and a beautiful plate. Maybe you break out your china to place the communion on. Nice. 
right? Maybe you have a clay chalice or something like that to put the water in, or maybe you have a clay pot, whatever it is that speaks holy to you. Maybe it's a connection to a saint that's gone before you. And so you bring out a teacup from your grandmother. I don't know. It, it, a whole host of different things could speak holy to you. Candles might speak holy to you. Mm-hmm. It could be any number of different things. For a lot of people who've done a lot of camp ministry, mm-hmm. I think that there is a part of them that really resonates whenever there's like a pine branch. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know? That makes sense. Like the smell of pine or the smell of leaves. So it's really whatever connects to your senses and speaks holy. I think I would have to have some sort of classical music. It wouldn't necessarily need to be a hymn. Nice. Yeah. But something. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about DIY services. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you have any questions or ideas or a photograph of the holy space that you set up in your home or out on your camping trip, let us know. We would love to see it. You can reach out to us at pastor at centralportland.org. You can reach out to both of us at podcast at centralportland.org. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.